Welcome back to Stat Chat. This is Dave Klatsky of Colgate Men's Basketball. I know it's been a little while since my last podcast, which was kind of expected as we get pretty busy during the season, but I'm really happy to have this guest on. Uh, he's a very, very influential and, and popular figure in the, in the recruiting world. Um, for those that know him, you probably subscribed to him or you've probably read his stuff. He is an ESPN recruiting analyst. He distributes New England recruiting report, which is kind of like a Bible to coaches in the Northeast and now pretty much national. Uh, he runs his own podcast called The Upside, which I strongly recommend. He has very high profile guests on there. Uh, so he's a, he's a guy that I was really happy to get on the show. I think I think this is going to be really interesting. I've kind of taken the approach with my first, uh, you know, a couple episodes or first number of episodes to, to get coaches and some players and some people involved with teams and have their perspective on advanced stats. But now I'm, I'm going to try and go a little bit outside the box and find people uh, in auxiliary uh, positions to, to teams. And Adam Finkelstein was the perfect first person to start this off because he's so invested and involved in basketball without having his own team and having to worry about the same things that coaches and players have to worry about. So I I found this really interesting and I I hope you guys do too. He has a wealth of knowledge and, uh, you know, from a different perspective than a lot of the people that I've had on, including the way I look at things. So it was good to hear how that works and how he helps and how he can be helped and, and how he just handles a lot of information. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. Um, hopefully I'll have some coming along soon in, in other auxiliary positions. But uh, to start, here's Adam Finkelstein, ESPN recruiting analyst. Hope you enjoy. Today we welcome one of the more influential and popular figures in the recruiting <laughs> world. I'm uh, very excited to have him here. Adam Finkelstein, who's currently a ESPN recruiting uh, analyst and uh, probably more importantly uh, for our line of work, the guy in the Northeast that distributes what I think is the top recruiting service to get as a college coach. So if you're in the business, you know who I'm talking about. You probably subscribe to his, his, uh, his work. He's done a great job. Um, I'm very excited to get him on the line here and talk a little bit about how uh, stats contribute to his work, but uh, also just kind of hear a little bit about his story and, and how he got into recruiting. So, Adam, I, I welcome you to the show. Um, I guess we'll just start right off with it. How did how did you make the jump uh, from, I believe it was college coaching to high school coaching to the recruiting world? Well, uh, first off, thank you for that introduction. I mean, I don't think my my mother or my wife could have could have written. Uh, better lives. That was that was great. <laughs> so thank you. Um, but to uh, you know to answer that question, I mean I was I was coaching. You know, like yourself, I I didn't. Um, I started out going to a very small liberal arts division three school. I actually was going to play tennis, and, and um, ended up transferring and went went back to uh, to UConn, uh, which is you know in my home state, and wasn't good enough to walk on the team there so ended up being a student manager and Tom Moore who uh, was the assistant coach back then just kind of walked me through it and he's you know like this is a path that can lead to coaching and 
Um, after that experience, immediately out of college, I got hired as a Division three assistant by Western Connecticut head coach named Bob Campbell, who had um, been a UConn manager himself some 30 years prior. Uh, and so, you know, we had we had that in common and um, forever grateful to him. And then did two years there and then went to uh, – I got a huge break, probably the biggest break, along with getting that opportunity at WestCon, uh, when Larry Harrison hired me at the University of Hartford. You know, at the time I was 24 years old. Um, I I didn't play college basketball, and so it was just to be on the road when I was 24 was was just, um, you know, more than I deserved, quite frankly, at that stage. Um, And then I got a a quick introduction to the business. We were, you know, we were fired about eight months later. So, um, yeah, welcome, welcome to the business. But, um, and that, that really kind of made me make some choices and, and, um, you know, uh, I wasn't married at the time, but I, I knew I was going to be soon, and both of our families were from Connecticut, and I didn't really want to relocate to stay in the business. And so that was, you know, truthfully, at the time, I was I was um, really trying to pursue NBA scouting and did worked under uh, Marty and Ryan Blake for a few years in a little bit of an apprentice program and took a job coaching at Choke just to kind of stay afloat and they let me work work guys out um at the time so i was able to kind of scratch all those that's the long-winded answer but you know i was able to chase the nba thing and, and still scratch the itch of, of being on the floor and trying to build that that program and um that was uh and the, you know my my scouting service was was you know born just kind of a few months later Interesting, interesting, and and the jump from NBA to to college when you when you first started you 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 when you first started you carved out a nice little niche for yourself uh, in the Northeast. You've now pretty much gone uh, national. Um, uh, was it as, was it as easy then as uh, as it is now with the amount of just data and film and you know you, no I know how much no, we no, have to no. travel so yeah no. Not at all. In fact, you know, the the thing about, you know, because it started in New England, and, and that's still my home base, and I still try to be, you know, I try to always kind of, you know, own your backyard, so to speak, but I, I, I never, you know, I never want to kind of forget where I came from, and I always want to make sure I, I, I know my own backyard, and, um, but the thing about New England is it's obviously the prep schools, and that means that there's new talent here every year, Um and, you know, college coaches, when I was coaching and guys like yourself, they want to know about that talent as soon as possible. So if you're waiting for film and stats by the time the season starts, then, then you're way too late. So, you know, my fall every year for like the last 12 years now has been just getting in the car and driving to every prep school in New England to see the new talent. I mean, it's, uh, you know, so it's it's become easier to do some background work on those guys. You know, um, it used to be that when I'd go to a prep school, I was flying almost completely blind going in. Uh, now I have a little bit more info at, at my disposal through, you know, all the different resources that have emerged. But, um, you know, that's, it's still get in the car and, and you know, old-fashioned go-see-guys play, which is which is, you know, what I enjoy, quite honestly. Right, right. And, and, and one of the things I always 
uh, am astonished about or, or admire about people in your business is just the ability to juggle the information that you guys have to. So uh, do you have, like, any tricks or techniques that, I mean, I know when I go to these AU tournaments and you're watching hundreds and hundreds of kids and then you get back and you read your notes, it's a lot of information to process. Like, and for you to do it with yeah. probably ten times as many kids, well, how, how do you hand, how, how do people in your business handle that or, well, or, or work with that? You know, so I, I'm going to preface my answer by just kind of giving a a you know, like telling you the way I think of of my job, and I, I look at it a lot is almost batching, which I believe is the term. Like, you know, I'm going to be able to see. I probably have to evaluate 10 times the number of players that, you know, someone like yourself would, a coach for a specific school who's got, you know, specific targets and academic requirements and a lot of filters that you can apply right off the bat. Um, you know, I go see a prep school and, and I have to see every prep school and then I have to evaluate every kid. And so, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is that I, I've always tried to stay realistic about what I could and couldn't do. Um, you know, I've talked about how I stayed, tried to stay true to my backyard in New England, the Northeast. I'm not of the opinion that one person can cover. Let me say this. The, the wider the geographic range or the wider the sample size, so to speak, the more mistakes you're, one person's going to make. Um, so for me, it was, it was if you can kind of, narrow your focus as much as possible but then by batching what i mean is like so i may be able to see a kid and say okay he's going to be a low to mid-major kid i may be able to after one time i can probably say all right well this is a kid that high major schools need to know about especially if you're doing your your due diligence about them before you go in you know what i mean and that's so um now what what i think is much more difficult to do accurately is to say, um, okay, which mid, which mid-major kid is better? You know, I, I think, and, and it's funny because so much of, of my side of the business now gets perceived as rankings and stuff like that. But in my mind, I, I think one of my best uses and probably a, a skill, I guess, is, is trying to quickly identify, okay, well, this is a kid that this group of schools needs to see, and this is a kid that right. that group of schools needs to see. And, of course, there's going to be outliers that don't usually fit, but if you can get the vast majority, you know, if you can get 90% or more doing it kind of that way quickly, especially in the fall when I see guys for the first time, I, I think that that's the way I look at my job, uh, quite honestly, at least relative to, like, the – you know, the prep schools and my recruiting service and things of that nature. Um, so right, to answer your question, right. that, with that with that in mind, how do I keep track of all the information? The, the short answer is that I'm a dinosaur and I still write on paper and I go home and I log it on the computer and it is an old-fashioned Excel file, which I often get made fun of and appropriately so. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, terribly, it's terribly inefficient, but it's you know, to be honest, there have been a couple times over the years where I've invested money in, in you know, database technology and stuff like that. And for whatever the reason, I just haven't found it um, as as effective, uh, at least for me. So, um, you know, my but my 
my process is, is a flawed one, and it's one that, you know, I'm actually currently spending a lot of time on trying to get more efficient in that way. But it's it's a way in which that I know I can record all the information I want. And I'll record everything from academic info to contact info to, um, uh, you know, date of birth, height, weight, length, and as well as my own scouting notes. Um, and so it's, you know, that, that process is, is fairly time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to touch on something that you mentioned here, uh, that just can kind of bring us into the numbers aspect of it too, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I personally think your accuracy and, and your detail is incredible for what we're looking for, you know, as, as a mid-major program that, you know, doesn't get to see everybody and has to trust uh, in some other people to kind of make evaluations. Um, but you mentioned that, you know, I think you said you, you want to be around 90% that mistakes do happen, but you you kind of want to be on, on top of those and see guys as much as you can with the information you have. Now, over the years, have you found that there's been certain things, like on the mistakes, we talk about this all the time in our office, like, all right, we, we missed on this guy. Like, we all watched him. We all saw him. We just passed. And now he's an all-league player in this, in this conference or he's a starter at this team. Uh, and we try and identify why we missed. Have you, have you, uh, you know, over 12 years, I guess, or 10 years, what is it, 12 years now? Yeah, 12 years, yeah. Um, 12 yeah, years. I, Can you identify some of the things that, that have, you know, you've missed or, or that you've realized yeah. over the years are, important yeah so the um especially from that initial eval you know like guys um you know who who do you miss initially and and you know the first the first name that comes to mind is a guy like bonzi colson because he's really the prototype well he's a six five center and that's all i saw for a long time you know and especially the first time i saw him at st andrews you know he was kind of you know i mean he was a stocky kid that was at a time when, you know, we really weren't giving length um, an appropriate amount of attention. So I saw a 6'5 center, basically, who played from 12 feet and in. And, um, you know, and now he's, before he went down with the injury, he was, you know, maybe one of the best post players in the country as a senior at Notre Dame. But he's representative because he's the outlier. You know, there aren't, there you know, 6'5 centers aren't successful high major players um you know uh you know russ smith if you remember him who who went to went to louisville well why'd you miss on him well because he was 510 and he and you know i was 100 percent right he wasn't a point guard but he played for rick patino and rick patino turned him into a two guard and said we're going to make it work so the guys who don't fit the the common parameters are the ones that initially you're going you know i'm I'm going to miss, or someone who, whose process is like mine is is going to miss. So if they're the exception to the rule, I, I actually use one of my um, former players as an example of this, uh, Phil Gaetano, who played at Sacred Heart. You know, he was a, I mean, we call him six feet because we were being generous, but, you know, like, he was 5'10", five, 5'11", five, not a great shooter, Um couldn't I don't think he could touch the rim um you know really couldn't defend without fouling so everybody's like he's d3 he's d3 
Now, I coached him every day, so I knew. I said, he's not. I said, he's Division One, no-brainer. And now I think he's, right. you know, he ended, up, he ended up going to Sacred Heart, and I think he's top 50 in NCAA um, history and assists um, because he's, you know, but on the first impression, you weren't going to see his value at the first impression. So with what I do, those are the guys that I'm going to miss initially. And I think those are also the guys you're going to miss if you are are casting too wide of a web, which, you know, when you start talking about the national stuff, unfortunately that's a, a reality sometimes to what I do or what people in my profession do is, is we can't dig in as much. You know, when you're literally evaluating hundreds of guys, you can't dig in as quite as much as you would like. And so if it's a guy who is the exception to the rules, a 6'5 center or an unathletic 5'10 point guard or something like that, um, you know, the only way you're going to uncover it is if you have the opportunity to see them repeatedly or if you, you're able to do, you know, really good good legwork and your due diligence reveals it early and so it's something that you can really concentrate on early on. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. I think I think that's kind of, you know, we're, we're trying to measure the unmeasurable here with, with stats and, uh, and some of the things that, you know, are coming to the forefront now are just, you know, uh, less turnovers, more rebounds, good shooting. And it's funny you right. mentioned both those guys. And, and we played against Gaetano, and I know Phil now. And uh, I think Mark's first or second year, Sacred Heart came into came into our building, and Gaetano just killed us. And so uh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about, how we uh, kind of get it done. But, uh, but yeah, so um, those numbers now, like, that they do quantify a little bit, especially in the shoe company tournaments and, and uh, right. how has your process kind of changed over the years with knowing more of, like, what leads to winning at certain levels based on numbers? How has that changed or the way you watch someone? Like, because I know a lot of this is gut. Like, you've seen so many kids. You're like, oh, that's the mid-major guy. That's the low-major guy. But are you using the numbers or not even the, the actual stats, but the way somebody plays um, as references now or helping you in oh, your yeah. job? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I still look at it as batching and I try and, you know, in, in my recruiting service, I, I typically have to give someone a label, you know, let's just call it low major plus. Um, but I, now I start with a range where I, whereas I, I didn't, um, it was especially with younger players. I, I start with a range. I might say mid to high, I might say high major minus, mid major plus. Um, and the, the numbers I think have, been a huge help to me in recent years and and one of the you know one of the nice things for me is that because you know because of ESPN I have access to a lot of technology um, and a lot of resources that I otherwise wouldn't quite frankly and so you know whether it's whether it's a a, a report like group staff um which Sean Lawless and, and a couple other guys do, and they send it to me, and, and you know, and I cite it pretty consistently in my work, and I'll, I'll also try and promote it because it's, you know, I don't, I utilize it as a reference, and I think it's a reference for college coaches, but I couldn't do, it's, it's not something that I do myself, you know what I mean? So I, I, I use yeah. their, their info, um, and it's the same with, with products like Synergy or Crossover. Um, we also have 
we're fortunate at ESPN. We have someone in our analytics department who is uh, passionate about recruiting. His name's Neil Johnson, and, and Neil would go and kind of create advanced analytics through all the shoe circuits and send them to us too. So, you know, those four things. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the fifth thing I should mention is um, Draft Express uh, with Jonathan Gavoni, who's the you know the lead NBA um, draft. Uh, analyst now sure. at ESPN, and he he's got his own internal database with compiling a lot of stats and measurements and stuff like that. So those five resources for me are the things that that I utilize um, most consistently. And what I'm admittedly not equipped to answer is is which statistical category has the highest correlation to effectiveness in, at the college level. That is not something that I've studied. And, and quite honestly, that's something that like, you know, Neil or, or uh, you know, the group stats guys are probably better equipped to, to answer than me. The way I look at it is, is I think those are resources that I've got to take advantage of. Um, but understand that I think my core competency is still kind of the same. Like I, I I want to be able to understand the stats and I want to be able to interpret the stats as best I can, but not necessarily for me to draw final conclusions, but as a thing, as an area to go back and maybe look for those outliers that I didn't see in the first impression. So if someone's got, you know, whether it's incredible offensive efficiency or, or whatever the case may be, I, I, I find the rebounding numbers very helpful for myself because I, just personally believe that rebounding translates. Um, or maybe it's a wingspan number. Anything that catches my eye that that can lead me to go back. And, and of course, with Synergy and Crossover, you can go back and, and, and there's the connection to video. So, you know, I, I find myself going back and re-watching a lot of film. If the stats sh- show something or indicate something that maybe I didn't see as concretely when I first watched. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, you've touched on a lot of things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go uh, one by one here as they pop into my head. Um, the correlation to success from stats in AAU and high school is, is obviously uh, really difficult because of the range of games that you play. So, like for instance, uh, in the Patriot League, if you break it down and your stats in the Patriot League, which is like competition, those mean something, but you know, if you played all Division One team, played all Division Three teams, those stats aren't really indicative of who you are. And I think that's right. the hardest thing with AAU and high school is that, you know, you watch these teams play and they win two games by 50, then they have two good games. Well, your stats count all that. And, and some of them don't matter right. if you score 30 in a 50-point win. And me and you have talked about this about, you know, prospects. Like, oh, great, he's averaging 27 a game but he's playing against nobody, so it doesn't really matter. But um, the correlation to how it, how successful you're going to be at the next level is definitely in. And uh, I think I think we talked about this, but uh, John Andrzejczyk, who I had on, who I had on the show, uh, talked a little bit about at the major level, how he was finding some correlation in the usage, just straight usage, meaning basically yeah. how much you shoot and turn it over uh, correlates to – to being successful at the next level, but that's the only thing that he could draw. Uh, so hopefully, you know, over the next coming years, we'll get some more stuff that, uh, as these guys that are smarter than you and me, 
doing and we can we can just read about it and uh and, and see what's working. But um what, but the you other know, thing I, I wanted to touch on go ahead. Can I you know, I listened to that episode that was uh and I don't know uh he's at Johns Hopkins now, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so I listened to that episode and I was I, I thought a lot of that stuff was fascinating, especially in fact I I actually uh I called Josh Loeffler, who's his his boss now, and I was like, Can I hire this guy to like audit me and see how well I'm doing? Because I know you know, he also <laughs> mentioned like you know, he also mentioned he was keeping track of, of how um you know, of how the different I, I think he even mentioned my service and a couple of others. Like but how how the ratings were equating to to where those guys end up. But to me, it's less about where they end up and more about how they do when they get there. You know, like, and that to me is the hard, and again, I'm not the person to make that calculation, but that's like the, that's harder to equate because I, I don't think it's that difficult to identify where a kid is likely to end up. Again, I, I think I can do that almost to about 90% pretty quickly with, with just by batching. I, what, what becomes much more sophisticated is finding the indicators of who is going to be most successful once they get there. And there's a lot of different variables that go into that. But, um, you know, that, that episode, and I, I really do, I, I told you when I saw it on the road, I love, I love the podcast. And I've listened to all of them, but that one in particular, I, I I thought was very very interesting. So you you just mentioned something there that I think is uh, uh, really difficult for you and people in your business. But you're so big, and and people in your business, you're one of the bigger ones. But uh, the rating that you give kids matters, and uh, like you said, I I don't think it's that hard. You know, you, you could walk in the gym and watch it for five minutes and look at his length, his size, and his athleticism and kind of batch him uh, right off the bat without, you know, getting a range uh, just based on that stuff. Um, but what's really important is how you rank a kid and how have you dealt with over the years of, uh, I want to call it the politics of, of basketball. And I know people are coming up to you saying, my kid's this, or uh, you got to rank him this, or he gets this. Uh, yeah. How do you yeah. – how, how – uh, How's that working in your line of work? Uh, you know, it's it's not. I mean, I can appreciate. It gives you appreciation for the people and specifically the kids who can see past it. You know, it's it's funny when the guys who make the rankings are the ones saying, you know, don't get too hung up on the rankings. You know, but I, I've tweeted <laughs> right. a couple of yeah. times, like after we put out rankings, and it's like, you know, inevitably the kids who don't worry about the rankings are going to be the ones who rise in the rankings because they're going to play the right way, you know? And it's the guys who, um, especially like at ESPN where it's like myself and Paul Biancardi, who's, you know, coached for decades, you know, he's a coach work where I still, I, I don't look at things that much different now, even 12 years later than I did when I was at Hartford. Um, you know, so I, I think that it's, the kids who have perspective, um, I think, are almost always uh, better off. And, and it's, you know, it's okay. It, it's good for a kid to be competitive and want to be number one. But one of the things that we talk about internally is the amount of kids who are like, you know, so rankings come out and we just get crushed. You know, inevitably we get crushed, you know, um, right. in, on tw- 
Twitter and the trolls come out and stuff like that, and you're, you know, you're such – the percentage of kids who come out and say something on Twitter in response to rankings, either arrogantly or just with a general lack of humility, the amount of those kids who can – would be able to come back and in retrospect three years later say, hey, you were wrong, is incredibly small. Incredibly right. small. And it, <laughs> It almost illustrates our point. You know, like, sometimes those kids will come online and, and, and say something, and I'll, I'll think to myself, all you did was just prove me right, you know. Um, but that having been said, I, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's certainly not easy. To, to answer your question, I tend to hear more about rankings than I do the ratings on my recruiting service. Rankings are, are obviously in, in a public forum. Um, you know, with ESPN or New England Recruiting Report or whatever the case may be. Um, the stuff on my recruiting service is only available to college coaches. Now, I'm not naive, and I know that stuff goes out. I mean, when you send an email to, you know, thousand people, it's probably going to get forwarded once or twice. Um, but, uh, and obviously I'm, you know, being uh, light with the, I'm sure it gets forwarded a lot more than that, unfortunately. But, um I actually haven't had to deal with that too, too much. There was – someone got very upset with me – this is a long time ago – where I cited a player's uh, history of, of back injuries, which I think – and I still think it's relevant. Um, you know, but, but it was actually an AAU coach who got very upset with me saying that I, I hurt the kid's recruitment. And in my mind, that wasn't – you know, I, I hope that what I can do helps kids because I hope that it – helps more kids, one, be identified, and then, two, go to the, go to a level where they can be successful um, and not just worry about the highest level. So, I mean, I, I guess the long, the long and the short of it is um, you have to be comfortable with it to a certain extent um, because it, you, because it, it's, it just, it's part of the business. I'm trying to get better with it, quite honestly. I'm trying to get better at, you know, not responding to every dumb thing I see on Twitter. Um, but at the right. same time, I, but at the same time, and this is something that's pointed out to me recently, like I have to be open to having those conversations with people so long as it can be done in like a respectful, I think I owe it. I don't think I would deserve to be in my position if I couldn't at least articulate what I was thinking. So that I try and always do. If someone approaches me like in a, just in a courteous way and, and, um, and says like, you know, why? I, I try and give them the answer. And I almost always preface it with, I could be wrong, you know, um, but here's mm -hmm. what I see. Here, here's my concerns and, and you know, and, and go from there. So that's that's how I try and handle it. I'm, I'm admittedly not always great at it, but I, you know, consistently try and get better at it. It's interesting you, you mentioned the injury thing and uh, in one of your reports. Um, and to us, like as coaches, if we're doing our job right, we want every piece of information possible, and then we dissect right. it and decide, does that matter, does that not? But, like, from our perspective, like, I would definitely want to know if someone has recurring ankle injuries or someone is always on the bench because they're hurt. And that's like, right. it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to cor correlate to how you're going to be in college, but it sure is information that would be helpful as you're about to dole out Two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars of scholarship money over right. four years to a, to a kid that you know you, you don't get back. Um, so so yeah. to me that's uh, 
everything, it, it, all information is important. So it's 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 interesting that somebody would get mad at that. Although I understand why they would get mad at it, but that's part of the part of the business and part of what we do. And you know what we do is rely on you a lot. So it, it's all connected. Um, uh, I want to go back to those ESPN rankings a little bit because those those seem to to be uh, the most controversial in, in your line. Um, now, yeah. how does that work? You guys sit down and kind of you all have your own list, and and then you you kind of consolidate. And are there any are there people uh, that you work with that are more stat oriented? Like you'll you'll start arguing about a guy and it's like ah no, nah, but this guy shoots forty percent and he just shoots a lot, or or is there is it pretty standard across the board that you guys agree? Well, it's you know we have a, a small group and the group has evolved over. I think I've been with ESPN for about six or seven years now. Um, but the group, the group has evolved over time and, and the, you know, Paul and I at this point are the two that have, have been there, you know, from, from start to finish, or, or I should say Paul, Paul's been there longer than I have, but he is, you know, Paul's the one who, Paul Biancardi is the one who initially brought me in and has been, you know, the, the, the face of our group, um, the entire time, or at least the entire time that I've been there. So the way you know what, and and that's not even actually um, a totally factual statement because we had Dave Tellup there for a few years as well. So the group always has to have a, a leader, so to speak, and someone's always got to be able to make the final call. To be honest, I I look at it not that differently from my coaching days. I'll, I'll kind of, you know, Paul would never describe himself like this, but I, I'll. You know, I think I've said to him in the past to be like, you know, you're the head coach. I'm just trying to be the best associate head coach possible and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. make it make it as easy for you as possible. Um, so, but you know, essentially the way the process works is that we have, um, you know, we have a team and we see as much as we can. And um, the truth of the matter is, is that I don't think I'm not of the opinion that three people, no matter who they are, or how much they watch, can do the entire country perfectly. Um, doesn't matter who the three people are. I just don't think it can be, you know, I, I think it's, it's a task that ideally would probably require six to eight people. Um, so there's a, there's a margin of error in it to begin with. Um, but our, our process is that we will, you know, we basically keep a draft. And when we go to an event, we submit notes and observations. And, um, you know, so, for example, um, you know, if I go to an event and um, I will cover, let's say I cover one sneaker company, and I might initially try and rank, and I, I, I think of it more as like a depth chart, um, you know, create a depth chart by position of that, that circuit. And then do the same thing for for the next for the next uh, for the next event I go to, and we have a a running draft. It's not a Google Doc, but for you know, it, it's essentially the same thing as one. Um, and we'll have continuous conference calls. You know, rankings only come out maybe three times a year, but we're always that document is always evolving. So we just we just came out with we just announced our our new rankings. You know, a couple of weeks ago, right after Hoopal, but um, the vast majority of those changes happened weeks and months before that because it was a consistent, a consistent process. You know that 
that's one thing, like I said, my, my own internal process could be more efficient. Um, and I think that as it relates to my scouting service, and I'm always interested in ways to, to make the process more efficient. Um, but for, for ESPN, I think the way that we do it is we have our draft and meaning our, our first draft, we go through and we all identify things that, okay, this is off. This needs to be fixed. Okay. You know, in my, in my region, I know that needs to be reversed and, you know, whatever the case may be. So it's, it's essentially that we have an initial draft. Everyone goes through and makes their own adjustments. If there's adjustments that, that create disagreement, then we have something new, uh, watch something new, get new information, um, because, you know, again, I think a lot of it is you've got to do your homework and do your due diligence and collect as much information as possible, talk to as much, as many people as possible, um, and and so that's, that's the way our process, uh, our process works. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, like you said, it's not the easiest thing for three guys to rank uh, a number of kids, and you guys find a way to do it. So, uh, well, let me. If, it, it if I could, let me. Well, well, I, let me say this. I think the reality of our process is that it's a you know not unlike most things. It's a um, it's a it's a reflection of um, you know the business, so to speak, and we are. Any staff, whether it's ESPN or 24-7 or Rivals or whatever, the amount of revenue that that staff generates, typically through subscription to that site, is going to dictate the size of their staff. You know, I mean, whatever percent, you know, for every for every $100, X amount of that, and I, I don't know what that number is, and I'm sure the number varies per company, but is going to go back into staffing, you know, like any other business. And yep. The business model of recruiting right now, I think the most efficient way to do it would be to have six or eight guys who have a firm grasp of their own region and can kind of provide you with accurate lists in their, their own region, feeding up to, you know, a national scale. And then you would cr- kind of start to, to cross-evaluate, maybe have one or two guys who exclusively did national stuff so they could compare those guys. But... I'm big on control, making sure that there's nothing glaring. And so long as we don't have, you know, so long as the business model of this doesn't allow us to have six great national guys, and the reality is it doesn't. There's not any outlet in the country to have half of that. Um, so long as that doesn't allow us to, I think that that's why you have to control what you can control and make sure the order, you know, is the order of, each kid in the state of Massachusetts is that accurate? It's, it's obviously may be debatable, but you can't have you can't have anything that's that's a glaring you know red flag. Is there there, there can't yeah, be any glaring? Yeah, and I think you said it earlier. And, and like I know when I look at the rank like rankings, uh, I kind of look at it as like oh you know one through five or five you know to me it's like you said it's. Uh, it's like ranges rather than absolutes. Like no one, I, yeah. if you're ranked four or six, like 
that's who cares. But if you're in the top six, that's pretty good. So to me, it's always, and that's why I like your report so much, in that you give like low major or mid major. So then we can kind of narrow in on, uh, all right, these guys are all in the range. Now let's go watch them and find more info and, and, and get them to see them multiple times and talk to them and see what kind of kid they are, uh, which is all right. part of recruiting on our end, which on your end, you, you're more just kind of, uh, given, given us a good idea of like, yeah, you should, this is a guy you should really look at. This is a guy you should really yeah, look at. So, exactly. Um, dig, dig in on this guy. Dig in on that guy. And that's exactly how I look at it. And I've told people that, like, I don't have the time to, I don't have the time to dig in on, you know, the 500 kids who have been in my report so far this year. You know, like that's, I wish right. I did, you know. Um, but that's, I can identify the 20 kids that you should dig in on and see what you find, you know, and that's why, yep. and some people, you know, some people I think do a better job of that than others. And, and that kind of leads me to uh, another question that, that I've, I've had, I, I want to ask you is, how has the coaching, like my side of it, changed over the years? Like, do people want more stats? Like, I, I was obsessed with your with your report in the summer where you did your your ranking or not rankings, but your you know evaluations based on your what you saw and then the advanced numbers. Is that are coaches thirsting for that, or is that just me, or are people wanting like when they talk to you and ask you about kids, are they are they bringing up more numbers, or is it still the same, just like can he play, can he not play? You know, it, it really it differs, and this is one of the things that I found really interesting is even from a formatting perspective, you know, like. Um, I try and solicit as much input as I can so I can, you know, basically meet the demand of my customers, to put it in business terms. But, like, you know, you want to be able to provide coaches what they want. And, and coaches want different things. I know some guys really appreciate when you elaborate and really get into detail on each guy. Um, other guys want something that's much more succinct and easy to process. And, um, you know, I know – you know, there are some, I was just having this conversation today with somebody and they're like, you know, everybody's so into the wingspans now. It doesn't really matter for me at my level. If, you know, I'm coaching in the NBA one day, it'll matter. So I, for me, what I found is that I try and give, um, I try and give a little bit of everything, you know? So if you were to look at my reports throughout the course of the year, I have some where you might just get, you might just get a line on a kid, but you'll get a line on every kid that I've seen. Then I have others like the one where you mentioned where I really like dig in more and I've, I've studied the stats and I've gone back and watched the video. Now that doesn't mean I've dug in on all their, you know, behind the scenes, the character, the, you know, and things like that, which I certainly would if I was going to give them a scholarship. But, um, you know, it's, it's a more detailed, it's a more detailed report, so to speak. I'm also the one that if I'm not sure of something, I prefer not to say it, you know, so um, I would rather, I would rather give you less than give you something that turns out to be wrong, if that makes sense. Um, so that's where like the stats in the video has really helped me because, you know, I'll go to, you know, let's say I'll go to EYBL and I'll sit in the gym for every possible game. But at the end of the day, there may be eight courts playing, and there may only be 16 game sets throughout the course of the weekend. So you have to – you almost, the ability to go back, not through both stats and video, has allowed has allowed me to dig in more like that. So, you know, the, 
the again I'm long-winded but the short answer to your question is that different guys really prefer different things and so in an effort to give everybody what they want at some point I try and mix up the type of reports that I produce you know and and it may be that you pay more attention to the detailed one and it may be that someone else prefers like just the massive lists where they can make sure they're not they're not missing anybody you know what I mean yeah, no, for sure. That, that makes sense. And, and, and then how much do you, do you focus on kind of the intangibles, the non-stat stuff like body language and, and, uh, how they, how they listen to the coach and, you know, things that, that really do matter, but you really don't ever see people talking about in terms of like rankings or things like that. Is that factor in to your, to your yeah, personal rankings yeah. and your evaluation? Yes. Yes. I think it's harder to do. I think that's stuff that's harder to do uh, without really digging in, as I mentioned. So I think if you go back to that kind of batching philosophy, um, you're going to get, uh, you know, it's harder to do without, like, the more you see a kid, I think the more those things become apparent. Um, So, but for me, I think it's critically important, especially, you know, the fun thing for me is is that I get to call some college games, too. And I think, one, that's fun, but two, it also allows me to – one of my big contentions about scouting at any level is that you have to understand the level you're scouting for. So there's guys who – you know, when I was trying to uh, scout for the NBA, I knew I needed to learn more about the NBA game, if that makes sense. I think there are guys who uh, – I think one of my advantages in in you know this realm now is that I've I have coached at the college level. I watch a lot of college practices, I watch a lot of college games. So it allows me to kind of check my work a little bit and have hopefully a better understanding of what translates. And to that point, I think that those things translate tremendously. Um and I know for me that if I were ever coaching again, that would be something that I would dig in, dig in on tremendously. So I try and put, um, you know, if I observe something, I try to make make note of it. But I also try to not be um, too definitive with it, recognizing that, you know, I probably don't have enough information to make a final decision. If I do, then that kid has probably, like, got some big issues, you know. Um, because yeah, when you're, yeah. you know, when you're evaluating whatever it is, 500 guys, a thousand guys, um, you know, you're, you're probably, if someone's asking you for definitive information on that stuff, you're probably being asked to, to make a determination on something you don't have enough information on. But what I do is yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely observe body language. I definitely, um, talk to coaches and ask, you know, who's your hardest worker, who's best in practice. And that's something that, believe it or not, we do more of on the national level um, with regard to the ESPN rankings and specifically the top of the rankings. Because I think when you start looking at guys, because ultimately at the top of the ESPN rankings, we're going to be judged. This is the irony of it. We'll get killed whenever rankings come out and it's inevitable. But, really the only judge of rankings is history. 
And that's not to say that we're not going to – we know that there are going to be guys who we didn't have ranked who are going to emerge because late bloomers happens at every stage. But it's the guys that, that have already emerged. You want to get – have them be as right as possible. And so I think those guys will really dig into character and into work ethic and as much as we can. You know, I mean, you're not – their coaches probably aren't going to tell you – anything that's too bad but you do as much due diligence as possible and I think a lot of that just comes from being as as plugged in as possible yeah I think uh I think personally or that's one of the toughest things because by human nature people aren't mean so when you ask somebody about a kid they're not gonna like very rarely does somebody crush a kid so I always use the example of like uh, there's just different scales. So if you rave and rave and rave about one kid, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, and uh, Jimmy over there, he's uh, he's a uh, he, he works hard, yeah, yeah. So he, he works yeah, hard. Right. So that's the yeah. scale right there, because no one really ever says. And if they do, then you know that's a red flag. Stay away, because very rarely do coaches and parents and people that know somebody crush someone. So that's why you know. Uh, Sometimes it's good when you have these, these uh, non-partial or uh, people like yourself that can that can get the information maybe a, a little bit better than than, uh, than than coaches can because nobody wants to really ruin a kid's career. Well, but they're more they're just as guarded with me as they are you. So the, the couple of things that I pay attention to is because for the most part I'm dealing with the same adults every year. You know what I mean? Like the coaches are the same. The the grassroots coaches are the same. The um, the the sneaker company people are the same. The USA Basketball people are the same. So, you know, I think what's valuable is when you get someone whose opinion that you know you can trust. Um, and I think Absolutely. like you, yep. you you put you put stock into that. Um, and that's um, so so and and all on all those levels. And it's it's never that they're again. I don't look at it as trying to hurt a kid because the reality of it is is that, you know, especially, let's just take an AAU coach. They're going, their program is going to be successful by getting kids to the quote-unquote highest levels because that will, in turn, attract other high-level kids. However, I think there's also, I, I think sending a kid to the highest level isn't necessarily what's in their best interest. Sending them to the right spot is. And so that's why I think, like, it's not it's not hurting the kid it's actually helping the kid by being honest about hey this kid really needs to go somewhere where he's going to be allowed total freedom you know he's he or or he needs a coach who's going to be able to to understand him a certain type of you know those those things i think are that type of information ends up being um you know valuable for the kid because it helps the kid find the right spot I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the kids. And like you said, these AAU programs that some, you know, some do it, some don't, that push a kid to the highest level so their AAU program is better, but then the kid fails because he shouldn't have been at that school. It's just, it's it's not good. Like, it, it's, it's a no. revolving door that just isn't going to be good for anybody in the, in the end run. But uh, so, so I couldn't agree more with, with what you said there. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you one last thing, because uh, you, without all the rules that we have, talk to a lot more kids. How much are the kids in tune with 
advanced stats now? Like, do they know? I mean, besides just like scoring and rebound, do they know? You know, field goal percentage and threes and and that kind of stuff. And uh, are, know, are they in with that stuff or or not? Uh, I don't think so, to be honest. I mean, not not to the extent that I still don't think all coaches are. I mean, you, you know, one of the things. I mean, listen, you can turn on. You can turn on major networks and hear, like, current coaches who are on TV talking about, like, how advanced stats aren't that important. And it's just like, whoa, you know, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but it's – it's uh, so, no, I, I don't think that, that kids are – I think on the on the average, the, the, probably not. I, I don't even think they, they see it. I think what they see is just the regular stat sheet. And as you know, that's not always a good thing. I mean, we had a kid, this literally just happened a couple of weeks ago. We were at the Hoop Hall and at Springfield College, and I won't say any names, um, but there's on the scoreboard, they also have scoring columns, you know, so you can see the five players on the floor, how many points they currently have. And there was one kid who just, like, didn't go into a timeout because you could just see him staring at the score. The, you know, and I, I wanted to be like, I want to be like, dude, just go into the, you're not helping yourself right now. You know, like everybody sees you doing this. Um, and the only stat they had was scoring. So I think, unfortunately, there is still, you know, that's still the number that I think resonates with most kids, again, unfortunately. Um, and I, I the, the thing I guess I would say is that the kids that typically – the kids that do worry about or do think about numbers are usually thinking about the wrong numbers. You know, it's scoring right. or it's stats right. or it's minutes or it's stuff like that. In the event that you find a kid who is mature enough and savvy enough to, one, be interested in the analytics and, two, understand the relevance of it, that to me would be like, all right, this is a kid I want, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's, that's how I always like to put it is as a player – you shouldn't be thinking about any advanced stats. You should be playing the correct way, and then your stats will dictate that you played the right way. So you, you took yeah. a shot when you should, you passed it when you should. You, and so that that's always the way for a player. Cause you don't you know you don't want to be thinking about the stuff during the game, but uh, your stats, if you play the right way, will show that you're a valuable player. So, but um, you know what? Sometimes, especially in AAU, sometimes the stats can look great when your floor game is bad. I actually tweeted something like this last July. I was, you know, I think it was Peach Jam. I watched somebody, you know, he had like 30 and 30 points, 10 assists, some crazy game. And right. honestly, he looked bad doing it. It was just so, it was so uh, volume. It was so selfish. Um, even the 10 assists, it was like, that's something to me that really resonates. Like the only thing we... We keep track of assists. You know, like, I, there's nowhere – I've never seen a stat that keeps track of hockey assists for high school. You know, like right, the, right. the – or or anything, you know, anything along those lines. So that's an area where, you know, relative to high school – and the other thing with high school stats is they're only as good as the person who is keeping them. And a lot of times you see that, that the numbers can vary a little bit. You know, sometimes the – the box sheet you'll see at the game is different than the one you'll see on Synergy later. And it's, you know, it's, there's a certain margin of error, but I think, you know, the, the reliability of the numbers at the high school level 
it's good because it's much better than we had before, and it's really good if it's tied to video, but it's not, you know, there, there's a there's a definite margin of error that is much higher than the margin of error in a, in a college or, or certainly beyond in the stat sheet that you would see at, at those levels. Yeah, I got to always take everything in context, everything, uh, uh, everything right. matters, but you got to know, like you said, you got to know who's doing everything, so... Um, but but I really appreciate you coming on, Adam. This was awesome. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you on the road in the near future, and I'll be uh, always like always waiting for your reports in our inbox when they come in. So uh, wow. again, I want to say thank you to to you for coming on. No, thanks again for having me. This is um, you know like I told you when I saw you on the road. I, I really enjoy the podcast. I, I think it's it's a great learning tool. Um, you know I've learned things by listening to it, so I hope it continues to gain in. Uh, in popularity because it's it's a uh, it's a great it's another great resource. Me too, me too, and I've I've learned a ton too. So it's it's uh, always good to have guests on that I can learn from, like yourself and some of the others. But uh, that's that's kind of the ultimate goal. This is uh, kind of further the game and and learn a little bit more uh, about this sport we love. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again. All right, Adam. I'll see you around.